Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about the ways rich people are bad pet owners so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Cookie Meets Peanut by Bethany Frankel with art by Daniel Rude. Joining us to discuss this Real Housewives picture book is Corey, librarian slash storytime underground joint chief slash responsible parent and pet owner. Hi, Corey. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you are so welcome. <laughs> so we've chose, I mean, Bethany Frankel, of course, is a real housewife of New York, uh, slash businesswoman, slash best-selling author. Uh, so she's written a lot of books to go along with her skinny girl empire, um, like cocktail and recipe books, and then also a relationship guidebook, and then also this picture book loosely based on her own life uh, in which she had a she still has a dog named Cookie and then had a daughter whose name is not Peanut but perhaps goes by that. Um, But we also wanted to talk more largely about the kind of trend of celebrity picture books which I think kind of goes along with how a lot of people kind of think it must be very easy to write a picture book because they're so short. And who better to talk about that than than the Storytime Underground Joint Chief herself, Corey, who has a lot of opinions. I do. So it's very extraordinarily difficult to write a good picture book. Um, there are m- many more bad ones published annually than good ones. And I, I was trying to think about where the whole celebrity picture book trend started because there are some very good ones. Jamie Lee Curtis wrote a series of them that are quite good. I love Um, hers. Her adoption picture book makes me cry every time I read it. The, I think it's now you are five is really beloved by five-year-olds. Like it's, it's actually really good for the age that it's targeted to. And Spike Lee did a couple of them that are really good. There's like, Please, baby, please, and please, puppy, please. Mm. They're um, begging a baby and a dog, respectively, to like go to sleep. Um, and they're very true to experiences that parents have had, begging a baby to go down for a nap. I, I did that, in fact, earlier today. <laughs> so <clears throat> those are very cute. And um, plus have a, a black main character in them. Which is unfortunately rare in the picture book world. But there are also some by people that, like Jeff Foxworthy did one. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, of course, Bill O'Reilly is always putting out these children's books that no one needs or asks for. I mean, someone asks for, I guess. Yeah. I think the thing with these, as well as some of the middle grade ones, like the uh, John Grisham uh, Kid Lawyer books. I think it's not so much that kids know or care who Bethany Frankel is, but, like, the person who is buying a book as a gift is like, oh, I don't know what to get. I don't know. Oh, Real Housewives? Yeah, I'll get that, I guess. Or, like, oh, I know Bill O'Reilly. I'll get that book. And it's it's something that sells to adults who are the ones who have money. I definitely assume that the Jeff Foxworthy, like, um, the kind of thing that ends up on the $5 Barnes & Noble, like, last-minute Christmas gift table I have not actually read this book. I'm sorry, Jeff Foxworthy, if it's really good. Um, but it just seems like the kind of thing that an aunt or someone who is like 
freaking out on three days before Christmas because they need to buy their niece or nephew something. It's like, oh, Jeff Foxworthy, I will purchase this. Not something that a kid sees and thinks I'm going to, I'm going to read this book over and over and over again. It's going to have a treasured place on my home shelf. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think too, I mean, I, I assume that a lot of the, the motivation behind it becomes, you know, when you're a celebrity and you're looking for new ways to stay relevant, like, oh, best-selling author, like, that's a thing to add to my repertoire. Kids' books must be really easy to write. They have, like, basically no words in them. And, which obviously is very incorrect. It is very hard to write a picture book. And, you know, seems, I would imagine, to them as a, to be a less... Less of a commitment than writing Model Land. Yes, than, you know, a, a more obtainable goal than writing a novel or even a memoir in some cases, regardless of how many people are helping to go straight. And I think also, I mean, you know, perhaps for Bethany, she's like, well, I have a kid now, so maybe she'll like this. Maybe in some ways it was related to that, but... Uh. I definitely think that's a motivation that I at least hear from celebrities in interviews. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's actually true or is a soundbite is, you know, anyone's guess. But I definitely hear from them that they wanted to write something for their kids. I, yeah. I, if I were Peanut, I would be saddened by this book. But right. <laughs> <laughs> if you're Peanut, maybe you're getting a cut of the sales, like put into your trust fund or something. That would help lessen the blow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's definitely a mixed bag, like. I feel like the the bad ones greatly outnumber the good ones, but it also like I'm so defensive of like the the Jamie Lee Curtis ones and the Julie Andrews books that like every time someone's like like oh like all celebrity books are garbage, I have this knee jerk reaction to be like no not all of them but really most of them. <laughs> Hashtag of them. not all celebrity picture books. Jamie Lee Curtis is a special case. She's not Bethany Frankel. So Very true. true. Uh, let's talk a little bit about who Bethany Frankel is. Um, All right. I'll uh, sit back for this one because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew who she was. Like, I don't watch any of the Real Housewives shows on the regular, even though I definitely seem like the kind of person who might, and I acknowledge that. I just don't. I just haven't, like, gotten it into my schedule. Um, but I have seen her, like, in GIFs, um, there's a lot of, like, a lot of drag queens also really like Real Housewives, so I, I, like, sort of see them tweeting GIFs, and I'm like, oh, this person. So, Bethany is definitely, like, one of the top tier, most famous, and, like, most cattiest, like, most well-known of the Real Housewives. Um, she is a Real Housewife of New York. She is actually currently divorced and not a housewife. And that is her tagline for season season seven, where I feel like a lot of reality shows do this. Maybe the Real Housewives franchise started where, like, each character, like, and I also always think of Queen of Jordan, the fake show on 30 Rock that is based on this. Where, anyway, where the characters, like, spin around and introduce themselves with a catchphrase. And hers is, I'm not a housewife, but I am real. But I don't think she's real, though. <laughs> I don't think she is real or a housewife. But she <laughs> claims, she claims at least to be real. So she, you know, she's taken her appearance on this reality show and really turned it into an empire of the skinny girl 
uh, alcohol and the and um, skinny girl foods and all the cookbooks and everything. And I salute that. Good for you, Bethany. I wish you wouldn't have gotten into this kids book thing, but I don't know. Way to make profit off of whatever it is that you're doing. That's my thoughts on Bethany Frankel. In a nutshell. <laughs> I don't know anything about Bethany Frankel except that when I worked at a used bookstore, people brought us the Skinny Girl books a lot, but they never left again. (laughs) And also that, like, as a fat positivity enthusiast, I guess, and also as an adult woman, uh, the idea that someone has who's in her, I assume, 40s, um, has marketed herself as a girl and that her entire identity is around being skinny. Like, just, um, it pushes all of the buttons of having been raised by a second-wave feminist. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, that's definitely, it's definitely gross. I'm just, like, I don't know why. Like, I think it's all part of my, like, defensive, like, had. I feel like both of us are sort of like trying to react in a feminist way to Bethany Frankel and short circuiting. Yes. Because I tend to be over defensive when people are like, Oh, the Kardashians are like so stupid and useless. And I'm like, how dare you? I me too. Like, and I kind of do you know, like, I feel like there is this sense of like, Oh, I don't really understand what they do or like, all they do is look pretty, and it's like, no, she is a businesswoman. And so I, I feel like that is spilling over into Bethany Frankel to me as well, although I think probably, yeah, like, you're right, like, your skinny girl stuff is definitely more damaging than probably anything a Kardashian has done, although I don't have, like, a laundry list of all the things that Kardashians have done to be sure about that. <laughs> I sort of respect conceptually that she's taken, like, the worst of what the patriarchy wants of women, which is, like, both being way overly skinny and also infantilization, mm-hmm. and, like, made a business out of selling that to other women, maybe? Like, yeah. but also, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm of two minds. Um, so yeah. like I said, I, this is not a show that I watched on the regular. I did watch a couple episodes of the season seven, which was her return to Real Housewives. I guess she had been off the show for a few seasons. And one of the things she said was that having been on the reality show and having done all this, like, no, she's just totally immune to criticism and people can say whatever they want about her. And she wouldn't be surprised if she opened a magazine and read that Bethany Frankel, like, fucked a pig and then she, like, paused, and she's like, well, I, like, I have been with some real pigs. Uh, and I kind of respected that. <laughs> Fair. But I don't respect this book. No, yeah. no. There's very little to respect about this book. Well, the illustrations are cute. I was just going to say, like, yeah, the illustrations are cute. And there were some pretty solid dog puns. Guys, maybe I love Bethany Frankel. I can't tell anyone. <laughs> Um, but okay, does anybody have anything else they want to say about celebrity picture books and or The Real Housewives? No. No. Okay, end of podcast, we're done. Um, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. So if you have listened to Worst Bestsellers before, you know our usual format is we talk about the book and try to give a little summary and then do a dramatic reading of a few especially good sections. 
But since this book is so short, we are just going to give you guys a full-on story time and read this book aloud to you, and then we'll discuss it afterwards, because it's otherwise it just doesn't seem like it's going to work that great for our podcast. So, mm-hmm. I guess as needed, if necessary, we'll describe the illustrations as we go along, but mostly probably just read it. And rather than divide it up and do voices, we're just going to alternate reading pages to you. And Kate will start, and we'll see how this goes. All right. This is a worst bestsellers first. Cookie and Mommy live in the big city, full of skyscrapers, shops, and bustling, busy people. Every morning, Mommy wakes up to hear, woof, woof, scratch, scratch, scratch. It's Cookie saying, time to go. Okay, boo-boo, I'm coming, says Mommy. Cookie is Mommy's furry baby. Mommy loves how Cookie's nose looks like a little piece of black licorice. Every day, Cookie and Mommy go on walksies. Every day, Cookie barks, woof, at the doorman, woof, at the neighbor, and woof, at the policeman. Mommy gets a coffee at Starbucks, while Cookie sneaks a bite of bagel. They window shop at Bark Jacobs. Cookie runs into the store and comes out with a shoe, Cookie, that's cute, Mommy says. Mommy and Cookie spend every day together. Until one morning, Mommy leaves without taking Cookie for walksies. And when she comes home, Mommy has someone new with her. Cookie, meet Peanut. Isn't she the cutest baby in the world? Cookie goes to her hiding spot. She is Mommy's furry baby. She has no interest in this new Peanut. Woof, woof. That's not nice, Cookie. You stay out of Peanut's room until you can be a nice girl. Pretty soon, Peanut starts to crawl out of her room. Peanut follows Cookie, crawling on her tiny hands and legs. Woof, woof! Pretty soon, Peanut starts to talk. Coo, coo, says Peanut, trying to say Cookie's name. Cookie barks and goes back under the sofa. Woof, woof! Soon, Peanut can walk and talk. Now, every day, Mommy takes Peanut for walksies. Cookie wants to go, too. No, Cookie, cries Peanut. Just Mommy and me. Be nice to cooks, says Mommy. Bye, Cookie. We'll be home soon. Cookie misses barking at the doorman, at the neighbor, and at the policeman. She misses going to Starbucks and Bark Jacobs. She misses having a bite of bagel. She misses Mommy. Cookie and Peanut are not the same. Peanut loves a dance party. She loves to whirl and twirl. Cookie will not dance. She sits down and shakes her tail. Woof, woof. Cookie and Peanut do not eat the same. Peanut cleans her plate without dropping one pea on the floor. Cookie flings crumbs everywhere and then looks around for more. Peanut loves to play princess and dress up in tutus and tiaras. She loves pink, polka dots, and sparkles. She loves rainbows, ribbons, and lollipops. Cookie does not like any of those things. She will not wear a tutu or a tiara. Cookie does not like pink, polka dots, or sparkles. Cookie's black nose twitches. It does look like fun. She might like to lick a lollipop. Peanut wants to play dress up in Mommy's closet, but she has no one to play with. Cookie, please play with me, she asks. Cookie follows Peanut, but tries to hide in a corner. Peanut plops a hat on Cookie's head. Pretty, she says. Woof, woof, barks Cookie, shaking off the hat. Don't be grouchy, Cookie, says Mommy. 
Here, you two play in Peanut's room while I'm cooking in the kitchen. I'll put some berries out for a snack. Side note, the kitchen depicted here has a tray with six cupcakes and then two little Tupperwares and three bottles of wine, and that's all that's in the kitchen. (laughs) And again, I respect that. (laughs) Moving on. Let's make a present for Mommy, says Peanut. We will make sparkle tea with glitter and boo-boo berry soup. Woof, woof. Peanut pours blue glitter into a teapot and adds her juice. Cookie helps stir. Using her hat as a bowl, for some reason, Peanut pours in berries and more juice, plus a pinch of cocoa. Cookie barks. Woof, woof. Good idea, says Peanut. She mashes the berries together and mixes the soup. Cookie tastes it. Woof! It's good. Just want to interject here. Do not feed your dogs cocoa. Or glitter. Or glitter. Yeah, don't put glitter in tea. Don't make soup in a hat. Yeah, especially... Don't feed your dogs chocolate. There's literally four bowls on the table and three teacups, but she's using the hat as a bowl. (laughs) Which, I don't know, I guess that seems kind of fun. I can't fault this toddler for thinking it's a good idea, but... But I guess we are faulting her. God damn it, Peanut. Peanut pours sparkle tea for herself, for Mommy, and for Cookie into three pretty teacups. Then she sets out three bowls of boo-boo berry soup. Mommy, come see what Cookie and I made for you, cries Peanut. Woof, woof, woof. Thank you, says Mommy. It's so nice to see you playing together, just like sisters. Cookie nudges Peanut's hand with her wet licorice nose and wags her scruffy tail. Peanut giggles. She's my furry sister. Every day, Mommy, Peanut, and Cookie go for walksies. Cookie barks woof at the doorman, woof at the neighbor, and woof at the policeman while Peanut waves to them. Mommy gets coffee at Starbucks, and they window shop at Bark Jacobs. Each night, they snuggle in a big pile together. Mommy, I love you. I love you too, Peanut. I love Cookie too. Me too. She's your furry big sister. Cookie says goodnight. Woof, woof. The end. (laughs) The end. So where to even begin? Aside from, yes, do not feed your dog's chocolate. It is not good. That is not not safe at all. (laughs) Or glitter. Don't feed anyone glitter. (laughs) Never. And I mean, to to defend Bethany, the only thing she gave them for snack was the berries. But then she was not paying attention when they took the coke out of the kitchen, I guess. I don't really know. So the, the audience cannot see this, but throughout this book, um, Peanut appears to be, like, completely unattended. She is, when she's crawling around after Cookie, she is doing it without a diaper on, which mm-hmm. seems unsanitary to me as the mother of a child who is still in diapers. And um, she has colored all over her walls. Um, And of course she's feeding the dog chocolate and making soup and hats. Like there, there is no point at which she's doing things that I guess it's fine if you decide that it's okay with you. If your kid colors on the walls, like you do you, but there's no point at which she's doing things that are, like destructive to the house that you see any adult step in or be around. And as an educator and a parent, 
it's a little worrisome to me. Also, I feel terrible for Bethany's maid. I mean, it does make sense, though, because she does essentially seem to ignore her dog for four years. Right. And stop taking it on walks. So, you know, the the shine off having a kid probably wore off just as quickly. And, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, what's not depicted in the book is that, you know, real Bethany has a personal assistant and, you know, a nanny. And I'm sure she has a dog walker. I didn't actually see that on the show, but I'm sure that she does. But so I can understand her not wanting to put all those people in the book. But it does just seem wildly neglectful. But I, again, I, both I, the child and the dog. yeah, and I can, I can forgive a little bit of child neglect in a book if it seems to be for like a good purpose, you know, like when people are like, oh, why don't kids in mysteries just tell a grown up? It's like, well, because that's the point of the mystery is the kid has to solve it. But this doesn't really seem like they're having fun or like going on fun adventures or whatever. It just seems like they're sad and not going on walks or whatever. Plus, like, when you're writing a middle-grade adventure novel or something like that, like, that is also the conceit of the book. Like, it's a mystery, so the kids have to solve the mystery. Like, that is the point. You could write this same story without including any of those things, and it would still be... It would still make sense in as much as this story makes sense without having to show, like a completely destroyed house that a child is running wild in and all of the other random shit that is going on in the background. Also, the book seems to be from the point of view of Cookie, the dog, but that doesn't, it's not that fun. I don't know. It seems like if your book is going to be from the point of view of the dog, that it should be more fun. No, I don't know. I think it should be. I I don't (laughs) know that I have opinion. Like, cause dogs are so excited. Yeah, there, there's some really great close-ups of Cookie's facial expressions. That's true. Um, I, I, like, props to the illustrator. But the thing is that, you know, all of those Cookie is looking, like, sad or neglected or angry, which just makes me have very little... Like, in the end, when suddenly Peanut loves her and takes her along on adventures, I just feel really sad for everybody. And I wonder also, you know how dogs, like they feel really left out, even if it's just been, like, two minutes, and then they're, like, so happy to see you again. If maybe it could have been portrayed that, like, oh, she hasn't really been neglected for four years. It just feels that way, because she's a dog, and she's, like, sad when she's not with me, and now she's happy. And if there had been some way to kind of portray that, I think that could have been maybe kind of cute somehow. But that's not really how it comes across at all. Well, also, there's lots of ways that you can, like, get a a dog ready for that a baby's coming home right like you take home the blanket for the dog to smell and you get the dog used to the baby's nursery like there's all kinds of like prep work that you're supposed to do to I don't know I don't have dogs I have cats they they steal your baby's breath yeah they, they're <laughs> like you are terrible why do you live here and there's not like a way to get them ready for that but with dogs, I don't know, I've watched me a YouTube video about dogs getting excited about new babies. So who knows what Bethany did in real life, but there's none of that in the book. It's literally like one day mom wa- left without giving walkies and came back with this new thing. And also, then- Bethany never looks pregnant in the illustration, Mm-mm. which could have been a-, a clue to the reader. Right. Yeah. 
the dog is also, I have to say, pretty poorly behaved when they go out in public. Like, it's laughed off as, you know, oh, ha ha, like she ran into the store and came out with a shoe. But also in the illustrations of that first round of Mommy Takes Cookie for Woxies. Like, she's barking at all of these people, and they look very disturbed by it. Like, it's not like, ha-ha, like, your dog is saying hi. Like, she's saying woof-woof, and the people are reeling away from her. That's true. But my my main thing, well, many main things, all of the other things that I've said have also been main (laughs) things, but the book doesn't feel like there's a cohesive to me. You know, obviously, you know, there, there's a there's a, a through line to the book of mommy and Cookie are together and then the baby comes and then they don't like each other, but then they become friends by the end. But it, there was no, like, real cohesion between any of the parts. And then there's that weird middle part in the middle where it rhymes for three pages and then stops. Yes. I didn't even notice that until we read it out loud and I was like, why is it rhyming? <laughs> Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like what, like, it feels like it was written by committee, but it's only 32 pages. Like, um, I don't know. Yeah. So you mentioned that, like, the part in the middle where it's comparing how Cookie and Peanut eat is very weird. And I noticed that in both times that we read it through, there's this strange, okay, so... Again, this is like me trying to understand Bethany Frankel through a feminist lens, which mm-hmm. may be a losing proposition. Yeah. But um, I know little girls who are super, super, super into like tutus and glitter and all like traditional girly girl things for sure. But I also know little girls whose parents are so overwhelmingly complimentary of those things that the kids get really into them quote unquote as a way to like make their mom like them like I've definitely see that dynamic of like oh my god you're so pretty in your little dress and then the little girl wears the pretty dress Mm -hmm. to school every single day um and that whole thread where it was talking about how all of the cutesy girly things that peanut likes and then how peanut is like a perfect eater which please I have a toddler I work with like 54 year olds on a regular basis let me tell you no four-year-old eats without dropping peas on the floor yeah and I thought that would have been that could have been a cute way for them to bond too of like oh cookie likes it because she does drop peas and then cookie can eat them that is the only reason that my cat likes my kid (laughs) yeah he drops he says He says, kitty, kitty, and then drops chicken off of the high chair. It's really cute. Uh, It's making my cat very fat. So um, that whole thing just seemed like a way of saying, like, look at how much better behaved or, like, what a good kid Peanut is because she likes glitter and sparkles and she doesn't drop things when she eats. But she's drawn rainbows all over the walls. Yeah, yeah, it is a a weird disconnect. And I so yes, I didn't think about it until you said it that way. But yeah, like they definitely push the you know she's so well behaved and she does all, and then we get the illustrations of her like completely destroying the house. Because in addition to drawing all over the walls, she's knocked over all the lamps, and mm-hmm. there are toys everywhere, and she's jumping on the couch. So or or you know what would have been a better book also is if 
like, Peanut had always blamed the dog for stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I didn't knock over the lamp. It was Cookie. And then that would somehow come to light. That would have been more of, like, a plot for this book to have. Although that would have made me think Peanut was even more evil than I (laughs) thought she was. That's true. (laughs) Um, I'll also point out that uh, Peanut, whose real name is Bryn, never appears on the Real Housewives show, so I have no idea, like, what that child actually looks like or behaves like. Not that her appearing on a reality show would necessarily even mean that we know what she's like, but I have no clue if she, you know, did dress in pink or, like, whatever. But if her mom's Bethany Frankel, like, probably she had a lot of fancy outfits. Yeah, I will say I, uh, as a person who is currently wearing a pink tulle skirt and a purple blouse and matching purple Converse... I was really into Cookie's, uh, or rather Peanut's fashion sense in this book, Mm -hmm. but that could be because I have the fashion sense of a four-year-old girl. I mean, so I regularly see four-year-olds at work, and I'm like, I would really like that outfit. Where can I find it in grown-up sizes? Yeah, it's infuriating, the shoes that do not come in adult sizes. (laughs) It's, oh my gosh, why do they not make light-up shoes? For grown-ups. I mean, Kimmy Schmidt got some, so... I don't know. Um, also, I want to say it was really cute when Cookie was wearing the hat. It's a really cute illustration. The illustrator did a good job. I can't tell if, like, there's some subtle snark on Bethany in the illustrations. Right. Like, But if, they're really cute. They are. One of the things on the first page, you look out the window and there's a billboard that you can see for real house dogs, which I thought was funny. Again, a kid I don't think would care. I think a kid might get the Starbucks joke just because those are so prevalent and, you know, kids can go to Starbucks too and get like chocolate milk or whatever. I don't feel like a kid would get the Bark Jacobs joke. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Bethany Frankel's kid probably does though. I wear to a very wealthy private school and some first graders wrote a letter. They were supposed to write letters as a writing exercise and they wrote letters to the Hermes store. So, Oh my gosh. There you are. There we are. Yeah. Rich kids are different from the rest of us. (laughs) That makes sense. Maybe this is just a book for rich kids. It's entirely possible. I should have taken it. I thought about trying it out on my kid. but. I should have taken it and tried it out on some of the kids that I teach. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not too late. You can always do it and report back to us. <laughs> I will say all of us had to purchase this book because it was not available in any of our library systems, which is kind of annoying, <clears throat> but also I think is like sound collection development. Because, I mean, I don't mean it was checked out. I mean, no libraries own it. I know the librarian who does the children's collection development for the Houston Public Library and she is a radical feminist um, Latina lesbian yes. and I I mean I'm sure she buys things that she disagrees with all the time but the, the, I just the idea of her face coming across Cookie and Peanut brings me great joy. <laughs> uh, I will say that I got mine from Amazon for like a penny used and mine is a library copy that has been withdrawn from a library collection. Um, and considering the book is only a couple years old and this copy that I got is in very good condition, I imagine it probably didn't circulate very well. 
That's heartening. It is. Yeah. Um, all right. Do we have anything else we want to say about the book, or should we move on to our games? Don't I give your dog chocolate. Good. Don't give yes. your dog chocolate. Yep. That's it. All right. Well, would you rather shop at Starbucks or Bark Jacobs? Uh, I think definitely Starbucks. I like a good... I can't think of a dog pun for any of the drinks that I like at Starbucks, but Starbucks. Uh, puppy spice latte? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about it. I, <laughs> I definitely Starbucks. Uh, I wouldn't eat the bagel before Cookie was allowed to get it, but um, I have no need for designer shoes, and I do have need for bagels. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, assuming that Starbucks is, in fact, just a normal coffee shop, if it's somehow... I mean, Bethany's drinking from it, so I think it's regular. But if it was, like, dog food, then I don't know. Yeah, I don't have dog. My cats, they would probably eat dog food. Yeah. All right, so this is... Um, we have previously read a book by Bachelor... Con- We've read a book by a Bachelor contestant and also by the host of The Bachelor. So based on our knowledge from that, I'll ask, would you rather be a real housewife or be a bachelorette or lady bachelor candidate? Uh, I'm going to go with real housewife because that implies that even if I'm not, like, famous, even even if I, if I left the show for whatever reason, it implies that I'm in a good enough position to be rich outside of my fame as a reality TV star, whereas I feel like a lot of the Bachelor-type people kind of have to cling to that Bachelor contestant identity for forever if they want to keep making money off of it. Yeah. On the other hand, if you're a real housewife, you probably are married to a terrible person or are a terrible person or divorced from a terrible person, which is probably, like, your best option. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched a lot of The Bachelor and enough of Real Housewives to have the impression that they're all really, really, like, unforgivably terrible people on Real Housewives. And, but I also listen to, like, enough Bachelor podcasts that many of them follow enough of them on Instagram that many of them seem, outside of the show, to be fairly likable human beings. Hmm. I mean, not Nick. Or Corinne, but you know, um, I just—I don't think I would enjoy the process of being on The Bachelor, but I think I would rather be one of the Bachelor contestants than like be trapped in the life of a Real Housewife. Fair enough. Yeah. Also, maybe you can go on the dancing show, which seems better. I feel like being a bachelor or a real housewife would either way, if you played your cards right, could be a launch pad into Dancing with the Stars. If that's your true yeah. end game. <laughs> it is some, you can tell that it's some of them's real end game. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think maybe I would rather be on The Bachelor also, just because, I mean, if, you know, of course it'd be nice to have that like sweet Christian Grey money. But their lives overall seem like, and you know, not that you would necessarily have to do the things that they do, but it seems like very boring. So yeah, I'll I'll join Corey on The Bachelor. And now that we're all famous from our reality shows, 
Would you rather use your C-grade celebrity status to get a picture book deal or a cookbook deal? I mean, for me personally, I would do picture book deal. I don't endorse that in actual celebrities, but as a person who knows a thing or two about children's literature and understands how picture books work and what the process is for writing them, I think I would do a better picture book than I would cookbook. Certainly a better picture book than Bethany Frankel. Yes. Oh, for sure. A thing that very few people on the internet know about me is that I used to run an experimental vegetarian cooking blog. I did not know that. It's true. And um, you can still find it on the internet, although it is not updated. But um, so anyway, I would probably write a cookbook because that's like a secret passion that I have. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, I, yeah, I would do picture book as well. I'm not confident that I could write a good one, but I probably could write a better one than a cookbook. And also, my picture book would obviously be about Duarte, and I think that would be better than a book about Cookie. <laughs> the world needs a picture book about Duarte. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to this one. Uh, first up, I want to say one of Bethany Frankel's other books is called I Suck at Relationships, So You Don't Have To. And I kind of feel like she is like getting in on our turf of doing things so that you don't have to. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm not saying I endorse that book. It's probably not good, but I haven't read it. But it exists is what I want you to know. Um, well, like we were saying earlier, I definitely would endorse reading Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, picture books and Julie Andrews. And I believe, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Jerry Seinfeld wrote a Halloween picture book that's actually pretty good. He did. He definitely did write a Halloween one because we looked, we were looking at what celebrity book to choose. And I was like, well, it'd be weird to do a Halloween book in March, so let's not do that one. Yeah, I think I remember reading that at a story time and it going over pretty well with the crowd and not being, and being pretty funny. Um, I feel like of celebrities to write picture books, I feel like I'm less mad at comedians in general who do it just because comedians do a lot of writing and that's like, like, I get it. That's sort of a sideways step. Like Mitch Hedberg says, it, it's like if, if when you do comedy and they want you to act, it's like if you are a good cook and they want you to be a farmer. But <laughs> I think it is still like more similar, like it has more in common with writing a book than say just being a real housewife does have in common with being a book. So I buy Definitely. it. I would, I would read a Louis C.K. picture book. Same. Um, I haven't actually read it. I heard B.J. Novak's The Book with No Pictures, which is a picture book with no pictures, is supposed to be pretty funny. It's beloved by my kids. I don't, I mean, this is going to sound super snobby, but, like, it's just, like, making an adult say a bunch of funny-sounding words out loud. So, oh, yeah. But, but it goes over really well in story time. And with, like, K through 2. So, there you are. All right. So if you are looking for books about integrating a new baby or a new pet, um, Lauren Child, who wrote the original Charlie and Lola books, put one out, I want to say in 2016, 
that has that's called the new little person i think and it also has a protagonist of color so buy it and put it on your shelves yeah. um and then there's a great set of books the first one is called wanton which is about a cat who comes home from a shelter Aww. and i think that this i would have to look this up i'm pretty sure the second one is called wanton and haiku the first book wanton is all written in haikus it's super cute and it makes you really like weepy if you are a person who has rescued cats i Uh, have um, i have rescued a cat his name is dorje (laughs) (laughs) i i have also rescued more than one cat some of them have turned out better than others (laughs) Um, anyway oh wanton and chopstick um, oh. is about Wonton has happily settled into the house and then um, and then they adopt, they rescue a dog from the shelter and um, the cat has to adjust. So in both of those, the parents do, uh, it's a better theme on sort of integrating a new person into the family. Less child and pet neglect involved that's good i recommend something else for that um i would say too that some of a a more likable and humorous take on some of the chaos caused by peanut a take that acknowledges that it is in fact chaos um, a lot of the things that she did sort of reminded me of um, the first couple Olivia books. And uh, people who listen to the show regularly maybe know or maybe don't know that I'm mildly obsessed with Olivia. So this is probably not a shocking recommendation <laughs> coming from me. But Also for a kid who, who is super neglected by their parent and gets into a lot of trouble, but again, where the book acknowledges that that's probably not great is um, the classic Eloise. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's an extraordinarily good book in relation to this very bad one. Eloise could be friends with Peanut, I think. I think that Eloise would take on Cookie because Eloise was a really great pet owner. Mm-hmm. And she consistently ordered special breakfasts for her dog and her turtle. And made sure that both of them got baths regularly. She was actually much more responsible for her pets than she was for herself or her dolls or her nanny. (laughs) So, yeah, Cookie might prefer to live in the plaza with Eloise and her lack of parental supervision. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, one more thing I want to recommend is the TV show Hot Wives of Orlando, which is like a parody of the Real Housewives shows, which I have watched and loved despite not being super familiar with the Real Housewives shows. Um, it's on Hulu. It's a Hulu, Hulu original. It's got a lot of like really funny actresses in it. Um, Casey Wilson is in it, and I want to say Casey Wilson like co-created it, maybe. Uh, anyway, it's really funny. I really like it. Hot Wives of Orlando. And... Uh, we'll have all these and maybe some other stuff up on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com, if you didn't know. And now we will move on to our candy pairing, where we'll suggest a candy or beverage to go along with this book. Because um, mine is a Skinny Girl Cosmo, because I, I didn't look that deeply into Bethany Frankel's product line, and also I just kind of wanted to drink after reading this. 
Yeah, so I recommended um, the one of the Skinny Girl Candy lines has is gummies, and one of them is elderberry and sweet lemon flavored, which just sounds like a truly awful idea. And bonus contains palm oil, which is destroying chimpanzee habitats. So you can eat 100 calorie portioned disgusting gummies while destroying chimpanzee habitats. My candy is one of those like rich person, high end hundred dollar gummy bears that are covered in gold leaf, except instead of shaped like a bear, it's shaped like a dog. And it's shaped like your dog because you're rich enough to be able to get vanity candy made for your dog. Is that an, is that an option that rich people have available to them? I don't know about the vanity candy, but the gummy bears in gold leaf is a real thing. Wow. I don't... I don't... I don't know. <laughs> Rich people. Not like us at all. Like us. But also, I kind of... Or maybe I guess I would rather have, like, a cookie or something. If somebody made me a baked good that looked like Duarte, I would love it. I would Instagram the shit out of it. <laughs> just putting that yeah, out I mean, there. I just want to say that it says something about this book that none of us thought of, like, a peanut butter cookie or... <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> or a boo-boo berry soup that would kill your dog. <laughs> My initial thought was like, because the first page is really cute, and so my initial thought was like, what candy looks like it's going to be super, super, super delicious, but then leaves like a super gross aftertaste in your mouth. Yeah. Or even just something that's, like, it has a really aesthetically pleasing wrapper, and then it's, like, stale Mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something along those lines. That would be the candy pairing of this book. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Now we will move on to our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Corey will choose which one most enhances the book, Or choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. Okay. If Dwayne the Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be visiting one of Bethany's parties and he'd see Cookie all alone and apparently completely forgotten for several years. Uh, His animal loving heart would overcome his sense and he would sneak out of the house with Cookie. Bethany would not notice because, you know, obviously took her like four years to remember that she had a dog. And uh, The Rock would raise Cookie like his own dog, including teaching her dog manners, which she currently seems to lack. Uh, Similarly, if Wolverine were in this book, he would crash one of Bethany's cocktail parties somehow. Uh, He'd be really uncomfortable with the concept of skinny girl drinks. And he would take Cookie out to drink whiskey at a regular bar, because that dog, I feel like, needs a drink. Over drinks, he would explain to Cookie that little girls definitely seem annoying at first, but if you keep them around, they can grow on you, and also might one day develop useful mutant powers. Cookie, in turn, would warm up to Peanut much sooner, and thus would not be abandoned without walkies for four years. Well, I do love the idea of Cookie on the Rock's Instagram, which I treasure. Yeah. (laughs) But I really love the idea of Wolverine taking um, Cookie out for whiskey, so I have to say snicked. All right. That's fair. That was good. That was good. There's no losers. Not yeah. paper. Do, do not, do <laughs> not leave this book as is. Right. For sure, either Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Wolverine would vastly improve this 
Always. All right. Uh, let's move on to the moral of the story. Mine is that, like, Bethany, I'm not a housewife, but I am real. It's not really the moral of the story. I just wanted to say it. (laughs) That's super fair. Um, Adult women who call themselves girls and whose entire identity is based on being skinny should probably not be responsible for other life forms. My moral of the story is apparently you don't have to be that famous to swindle a picture book deal out of someone. Kate, Bethany Frankel's pretty famous. (laughs) <laughs> also, I mean, I didn't know who she was. Also, she is a best-selling author already. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's true. You don't have to be that famous. All right. Let's see what my cat Dorje has to say about this. Yeah, I mean, Duarte, you're right. I have already said that a picture book about you would be much more compelling than this picture book about Peanut. And I'm sorry, and I'll work on it, okay? I'll work on it. I mean, I understand your frustration, but at the same time, like you said, if uh, Cookie was a cat, then it would be a much shorter book because she would just completely ignore Peanut and it wouldn't be a big deal. And, you know, there needed to be some vague form of plot in this. Just... I really appreciate that you actually sat through this book, Duarte, because I understand that it was a grave, a grave discomfort for you seeing an entire book about a dog like Cookie when there could be books about you out in the world. Uh, It's true. It's a hard life (laughs) Uh, for all of us. (laughs) All right. Well, Duarte, thanks so much for your opinions. Do any humans have any closing thoughts? I don't know what I'm going to do with this book now. (laughs) Put it in a little free library? (laughs) That feels irresponsible somehow. (laughs) Please do not try to sell it to your beloved local used bookstore. (sighs) All right. Well, I guess that's, I guess that's the end of this podcast. So I will say that if you like worst bestsellers, but don't know where we are in the internet, I will tell you that we are on Twitter at the worst bestseller with no S because I don't know. We just can't take care of that ass, man. Like, it's too hard. We let it run away. Uh, we are also on Facebook and Goodreads, where we're the worst bestsellers spelled normally, although I can't say it normally anymore. Uh, you can also just visit our regular website, worstbestsellers.com, where we have helpful links to all of these things. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And if you do, uh, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it pops us up a little bit in the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, then we're going to have to tell Bethany Frankel that uh, you agreed to illustrate her next picture book, and uh, she'll be giving you a call. You can also support us on Patreon.com by going to Patreon.com slash Worst Bestsellers, where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation uh, to help support the podcast. Uh, It helps us buy new equipment. It keeps Duarte in pet treats. And for uh, supporting us, uh, subscribers get some perks like a Patreon supporters-only newsletter and access to our bonus episodes before everyone else. Hooray. And you can find me on Twitter at Helen's Twin, H-E-L-E-N-S-T-W-I-N. And if you want to, you can follow me on Tumblr. Uh, it is Clytemnestra's Storytime. And you can also find Storytime Underground at storytimeunderground.org, 
or if you are involved in youth services in any way, you can join our Facebook group, which has more than 8,000 members and is very, very, very active. Woo. Yeah, if you are not in the library world and you're not familiar at all with Storytime Underground, um, I would definitely recommend still checking out their website to just get an idea of like what kinds of cool things children's librarians are doing, what kinds of picture books they recommend over this one, and just how children's librarians are kicking ass out there in this cruel and bewildering world of ours. Uh, also, you can follow me personally at Renata Snacks, where I am often bewildered by this world. <laughs> uh, you can follow me personally at 14 Across, where I am frequently despairing of this world. Go team! Uh, all right and we as a podcast will be back in two weeks with uh redacted in the butt by redacted under the trump administration and taken by the gay unicorn biker biker both by chuck tingle so that's a treat a treat for all of us all right thank you so much to Corey for joining us thank Thank you so much for having me and thank you to everyone for listening And bye. 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 Your voice sounds like a creepy toaster, so please leave and come back.